Big Fat Gay Podcast. <laughs> Happy Halloween. It's spooky season. I'm Trevor Kizon. I'm a super chub. And I am dressed up as um, Taylor Swift. <laughs> I know I'm terrified. <laughs> quite a costume. Yeah. It's a lot of stuff cinched and taped and... Uh, a lace front wig. Well, my name is Michael Willer. I am a chaser, and I am dressed up as Mama Cass today. <laughs> There's a lot of other things that are taped up or taped on to get into that costume. Uh, my name is Don Marshall. I'm a big chubby guy living here in sunny Hollywood, and today I am dressed as the Great Pumpkin <laughs> because I'm spherical. <laughs> Hello, my name is Dan Oliverio, author, public speaker, and chubby chaser. And today, I am dressed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's that's all I got to say about that. Okay. <laughs> None of us believe you. <laughs> I actually like the idea of um, if there's like a diehard couple fan of the podcast. <laughs> Doing the the I don't know size swapped Taylor Swift Mama Cass costume. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. I think that that's almost encouraging fat suits. You realize it. <laughs> it's yeah, but in in the name of good Halloween costume, <laughs> yes, a very niche Halloween costume. <laughs> um, let's. Uh, ha- it's spooky we- season, and we have an extra terrifying. Uh, pop culture. This week's I approve. Uh, Thank you. This week's pop culture is extra terrifying. <laughs> it's uh it's I don't know. I was when I was like looking at all the stuff, I'm like, it's kind of nightmare themed. Yeah. Um your worst nightmare is brought to life in pop culture. Um, so first off, we have a, a story from about American Airlines. That's a uh, good start. <laughs> <laughs> they tried real hard. Yeah. They, to be fair, they did. So the, the they story, did everything they could. The story here is that um, a lovely person by the name of Sydney Watson uh, took to Twitter to express her outrage at being sandwiched in between two fat people on an airplane and ha- at the indignation and the horror of that three-hour flight that she had, as she puts it, uh, they were putting their fat rolls on her arm without her consent. Yes. They were I mean, sweating on her. They were <laughs> spilling all over her. Which I but, should point out, that show, really shows the importance of consent here, because that's fine with me. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, she was putting her arm on their flesh mm-hmm. without their consent. It's true. Um, so she posts pictures of these people. Granted, no faces, but she posts pictures of like, their sides like <laughs> covertly taken on the plane police photos of the crime right yes. exactly and like go writes this horrible rant um i mean is it am i wrong when i read this article i was really interpreting her as raging at the people not at the airline i, I both think, I, I, think it's, I think it's yes it's mostly both. the people like mm-hmm. fat people shouldn't exist and if they sh- and if they have to exist they shouldn't exist anywhere in my yeah, world the fact that she's saying too fat to fly <laughs> yeah too fat to fuck fly. you yeah mm-hmm. well, fuck you sydney okay so american airlines tries she, she to is do a bit of a cunt bag cunt <laughs> bag 
I do not use the word cunt or twat liberally, but Sydney, you are a cunt twat. <laughs> a cunt twat. You are an absolute cunt twat, Sydney. Well, and, and recognizing this, American Airlines tries to do the politic thing and say, you know, our customers come in all shapes and sizes. Yeah, they, and, like, and they didn't, they basically said, we're sorry you were uncomfortable. Our customers come in all shapes and sizes. Yeah, and and then she secretly offered her 150 No, 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 no. Not, not at all, initially. not at all. No, not so, and she is not satisfied by this. She is, yeah. she is on the mm -hmm. warpath. And so there is a slight back and forth between American Airlines and her publicly twittering. Yeah. And finally they're like, fine. You know, so sorry for inconvenience. Here's a $150 flight voucher. Mm -hmm. just shut the fuck just up. Just shut the fuck up. Just make this up. go. How much will it cost us to make this go away? Yeah, literally just make her <laughs> I've stop. already bought us like three mature ratings and we're like five <laughs> minutes into the episode. So I mean. Cut one. <laughs> Got it done. I <laughs> bought it. I'm using it. <laughs> um, it has a lot of resonances for me. Like what is, I, I think. On a corporate level, American Airlines did their best. On the other hand, all the airlines are really horrible about providing enough space for anybody. Yeah, right. I'm cramped on those I mean, flights. if this woman had any self-awareness, she'd be aware of how much these people on either side of her were horrified by the situation. Yeah, well, and so, she didn't but care empathy because- empathy level zero. The last thing she said when she shared that they had given her this $150 credit is, because she, she didn't want credit, she wanted mm -hmm. money. Yeah. She, oh, she, she wanted, wants a refund. She wanted yeah. a refund. Yeah. And so, and she said, I'd rather take this $150 and give it to them to buy them a gym membership to help them lose weight. And to be fair, any fat person to help them buy a gym membership, she didn't really need to return it to those people because apparently they're mortal enemies now. Yes, that is mm -hmm. quite, that is uh, quite fair. But it was, it was, and can we all guess my response to this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all together now. One, two, three. Cunt twat. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. I think I figured I would just yeah. underscore Don's rage here. <laughs> I think He's it's transforming. Worth, I think it's worth noting that this is not just some random woman. She is also a like YouTube political commentator. Of course she is. So this is just kind of one of many things that she rants about online and just kind of uh, American Airlines, you know, the, I don't know, social media intern who. Oh, yeah. Uh, on Twitter took that stance because they got a lot of people railing against them because, you know, this, the uh, Sydney Watson has a large following and people were just piling on this to. And she did take, it. she did get flack on Twitter as well, but I don't think nearly as much as she got support. Yeah. Well, I think well, also I mean, because like my thing is, what does she want American Airlines to do? Shoot them? I mean, I, I, what is your? Well, she what is, wants what is them. The, she wants them to be prevented from flying. Yeah. She mm -hmm. wants. She doesn't oh. want to have to see any fat people on her flight because they're too fat to fly. Yes, and, she, and and this is it. Reminds me of that classic thing of like of like you know they should all get in the gym. Oh my God, they're in my gym. They should get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It has um, nothing to do with health. Um, I, I should say that the links in that article. There's an article to Travel Noir, which actually lists the plus size policies of various mm -hmm. airlines. Mm -hmm. Oh, with Southwest, of course, at the top, and going down the list to you know ever more draconian until you get to United, which is like you know it's your responsibility to fit in our seats, and if you don't, <laughs> get the fuck off. Mm. Um, you know, sorry, I just I've, I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I just want to go over this story again real quick. I was flying to Kansas. Um, it was on a full flight. The airline seats were about the size of my knee, right? Like it was physically painful for me yeah. sitting with the, the, the arm down. And the person next to me was just not, you know, they were not being kind. Right? Mm -hmm. And there was a woman behind me to the right who says to the person next to her, would you mind trading with that guy over there? And she it basically invites me to come sit next to her mm. and puts the arm up. 
And like, I'm oh. apologizing to her for, for, you know, for crowding her and all that stuff. And she's like, you don't worry about it. You know, you, you, this is your seat. You are comfortable here. And she says very loudly over it. And that person over there was an asshole, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I'm just, again, <laughs> thank you woman out there for making that trip for me. Hmm. Like, I can't even tell you how wonderful that was. Especially because you're coming to Kansas. Oh my God. Did I not want to be on that flight? <laughs> I can't even tell you how much I did not want to be on that flight. <laughs> because even when you get off, you're still in Kansas. Yeah. 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 Like I have to go through fucking hell to get to Kansas. <laughs> no. Is it safe to say, Don, that we're not in Kansas anymore? Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, I mean, I would, before you even went there, I was going to say, you know, sometimes there's, there's wicked witches on flights and other times there's, there's good witches. Yes. <laughs> um, oh, you know, you'd think that your former seatmate would have taken their own broom. <laughs> uh, let's continue let's, this this okay. journey into nightmares of pop culture with uh, yeah. none other than Taylor Swift. T-Swift. Um, I don't know. Apologies to any Swifties. I don't know. I think this in is just audience. a tempest I in a think, teapot. Yeah, I think Dan and I are maybe in agreement on this one. But. I, I don't know. I have a lot so of feelings. Let's, let's set it up. Yes. So Taylor Swift came out with a new album called Midnight's. Yes. And one of the uh, songs on this album is called Antihero. And uh, there's a video that came out with it as well, written, uh, directed by Taylor Swift. And it's very much a sort of, uh, it's a very unfiltered look into her own self-loathing. And like, it's an inspection of all of her mental issues as she sees them and presented in entertainment music video song form. And one of the moments in this video, she has sort of her alter ego that's like the cause of a lot of her ang anguish and anxiety. And she herself steps on a scale in this one scene and the scale spins and spins and reads fat on it. With no numbers, just fat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the alter ego kind of looks at her like, mm-hmm. Yeah, you should be ashamed of yourself. And, and then the song goes on. And the song goes yeah. on. And it's an expression of her own self-loathing about, about this, mm -hmm. about well, this and many other it's, it's And it's also, the theme of the music video is kind of her fears. So there is like her being chased by ghosts, but it's very silly. Mm -hmm. There is... Uh, her being like this giant that doesn't fit, you know, like yeah. this sort of ogre-sized giant. And then um, at the same time, like how egotistical is it how egotistical is it of her to think of herself as a giant? Because yeah. you, you know, it's like you're you're sort of damned in both ways, um, like you know, and the prison of fame, but you chose this prison, and and, and it's, yeah. it's mm -hmm. it really is a. I think it's kind of brilliant in its examination of how everything just kind of is a house of mirrors, one thing turning into another thing, and all and all of it being like you can't win this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's no winning. That's what I was thinking when I was watching because yeah. like she has so much privilege, she has so much going for her, and she is still going to be struggling with issues but she can't talk about them. Like she can't talk about them because she has so much, mm -hmm. but they're still going to impact her. And so what do you do? Do you hold on to it and just eat yourself from the inside out? Or do you express yourself as any artist would, which is what she did. Mm -hmm. And as you can imagine, she is taking huge amounts of flack, particularly for that one scene. Where I mean, it's really just, it's it. The flack has mainly just been the depiction of fat on the scale as a pejorative, as like a self condemnation. Yes. Well, and she's talked about, and I think written music about having an eating disorder. Yes. And being anorexic. And well, and the criticism was, how dare you present an eating disorder for the people who have eating disorders because we're triggered by mentions of eating disorders? And it's like, but wait, 
I can't talk about my problem because it triggers you and having the same problem. Yeah, I I don't really buy that. I feel like if you're discussing yourself, like it, it's it you can't get any more first person than yeah, this yeah. is my experience. And what I'd, and how who dares steps in and say you don't get to discuss your experience? And well, it's triggering, Don. <laughs> yeah, it's triggering. Well, and it's but it's and so there's been a couple of things. There, uh, um, Gianluca Russo, who we've talked about on the podcast. Uh, wrote in response saying, look, I'm not a Swift fan. It doesn't really matter. The point is that she's talking about herself, just what you were saying, yeah. Don, you know, and that this exists in the world and it's it's not, it's not, if you can't talk about a problem because you think that anybody, anybody who mentions the problem is perpetuating the problem, then how are you ever going to talk how about the problem? How are you ever going to actually address the issue? Exactly. I, you know? I think what Trevor's talking about is specifically like people are reacting to her seemingly perpetuating the use of the word fat as a pejorative, as a, as yes. a negative. Well, and, but the, my thought there is that she's not saying this mm -hmm. is a good thing. This is true. She's not saying this is what we should be doing. Which is mm -hmm. abundantly yes. clear from the context. Which is abundantly clear from the context. She is saying this is what the uncontrollable dark side of my psyche yells at me mm -hmm. when yeah. I see the number on the scale. Like so many other thousands of mm. people, millions of people. Yeah, but, if anything, it's expressing sympathy. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. I see both sides of this because, and so like I was really reading a lot of different opinions. Jean-Luc Russo, uh, uh, Shira Rose, who is um, an eating disorder therapist who is also fat, was kind of talking about like, you know, that it is just kind of to fat people a reminder of being people like I am just my existence is your worst fear. A lot of people were presenting like alternatives, like, well, this is how she could have done it without using fat. And like, I, I couldn't, I, a lot of them, like I couldn't, they were like trying to still use the scale imagery, but like present something other than fat. And it just, I couldn't really understand what they I were don't explaining. Think there's, I, yeah, I don't think there is another way to, to like, I, I'm of two minds. One, I don't think there's another way to do, to tell that story effectively or even mm -hmm. remotely effectively without doing what she did. She could have walked in front of a mirror and they showed a fat version of yourself. And I think that would have been way worse. Yeah. And I, I, just from my perspective, like as some, she is somebody who is trying to express a very personal point of view. It is, it is literally just her point of view. And she is abundantly clear. She is not being coy about any of this. There, there's nothing, there's no hidden message. She literally has <laughs> yeah, a scene and it, she literally says there's no hidden message here. She's not using like metaphor. Mm. She is, well, she is, but in this particular case, she is literally just saying the inner voice in my head that hates me is calling me fat. Right. And like, I like, I'm sorry, that's quite relatable. Well, like, and you can't, it, it leads me so much of what passes for activism is actually just trauma and making people wrong. Yeah. And that's not activism. That's not moving the needle. That's not helping people. That's just calling people out because you're triggered, you're traumatized, and you think everybody else has a responsibility to kowtow to that. Mm. I do really see the side of it is, you know, while it is personal, like it, because it is just because Taylor Swift has this platform and while it is personal, it is kind of centering like thin white woman around eating disorder world stuff while a lot of fat people with eating disorders but, but are ignored. But she is a but I know, I know, I know, no, 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 no. Yes. But I'm just saying that because there are so many people who are fat suffering with eating disorders, struggling to get recognized and get treatment and get the help they need. But she's not speaking for them. 
No, she is but it's very specifically speaking for herself. I know, I know. Like I, yes, but I'm just saying. I just like how at what point like she is she has gone out of her way to say this is just my experience. She's not trying. Like she's not trying yeah. to stand I, up. I feel like, like it, I feel like I get what you're saying, Trevor. I totally do. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the only people who can truly argue that are people that uh, that are seeing it completely in its own context. Like everything else around it removed. It's just that one blip. Well, I think there exists, are. I think there know? are a lot of people because of the nature of social media. Yeah, who have only just seen that. Seeing yeah. that. Yeah. Yep. But also, just like I think, because of how raw it is, once they get to that point, they can't. It just kind of pulls it out yep. of the sequence. I also feel like the t- that moment of the music video is so different tonally from everything else. Mm. Is it? I think I because everything else is so. very comical. Like the ghosts are, you know, they have the floral patterns. There's a lot of stuff with like blood where it's glittery. The when she's a monster, it's very Alice in Wonder. Yeah, but then there is that glamorous. But there is that skit of like you kill our mother by pushing her out a window or off a balcony. Yeah, but right. that's still but I that is still very comical. I mean I, they have I comedians. I, I, I don't I didn't I didn't this is a 10 second scene. Like no, I know, but I'm that. just saying that it's yeah, yeah, if that it's it's. But it's, I think what Trevor's talking about. Um, I didn't mean to interrupt. You. Well, no, I just I I can see why it would feel out like slightly tonally different because when you bring baggage to that scene, it it will feel different. If you yeah. bring your own trauma to it, then yes, you, it's out. Of if you look at it objectively, I don't think it does stick well, out. What I'm wondering is because something Trevor said earlier made me think mm-hmm. about this. Where like if in this age. Like you'll see an article that says Trevor Swift does outrageous thing <laughs> that insults flat, fat people. And then they will show you that sliver. Right? Yes. And then you've decided how you've reacted to it. Well, you decide it's the truth. Well, and then even if you go and you see the larger video, you still have and you're that. given the new context. You're st- many people will stick with their initial yes. programmed thought. So I'm wondering how much of it is maybe that it's just the nature of the world we live in, the way media is presented to us. That's causing more of these sort of crazy ass reactions where clearly people aren't thinking it all the way through. I think there's something to in that. In some way. Yeah. yeah. From my perspective. Yeah. No, I don't know. I, like I said, I see both sides. I don't think either side is necessarily right. I think it is just kind of a unwinnable thing, especially because it is so tied to this is like Taylor Swift being yeah. like, this is my experience. Well, which is the whole point of the video. Right. It's the entire no, message of the video. I, I that this, is an unavailable, this is an yeah. unavoidable, unwinnable she battle. She wins no way. So <laughs> I, I will, I'll put this out there and then, I don't know, maybe we move on after this. But I, so as somebody who, you know, I am typically fairly quiet about dealing with my own body image and eating disorder-ish issues. This makes me want to never bring it up again. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I, I, as somebody who is not fat, I, I feel like I could, I could never like I, th- this vitriol makes me want to never talk about this again. And that is like patently unhealthy. Yeah. yeah. Well, That's it, not it, good. It, it proves the point that you have to have the right identity to talk about a particular problem. Right. And that's problem. I feel that's problematic. Mm-hmm. That's that. That's my. Yeah. That's my. Especially ultimate when, away. when discussing about this, like you're not actually like when you're talking about your body issue, right? Mm. You're not actually talking about fat. You're talking about self perception, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And but if it's shutting down conversations about fat, 
Like it's not even shutting down the conversation that you want to have. It's very weird. Yeah. You know? It's, it's complicated. I don't think there's any clear cut version of this story, but anyway, um, right we're going to, we, hey, do you I, hear the Eagle switching tones? I hear the Eagle wildly veering yeah. the ship eagle, in a different direction. I call you. It's like getting rescued from yeah. Saruman's tower. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I'm so glad you get that reference. We're out of the nightmare. We're lifted. Hi ho, eagle. <laughs> Away. <laughs> it's still a little spooky, but it's good spooky. It's um It's folksy spooky. Yeah, it's like um, I don't know, like New England fun witch movie. <laughs> like uh, You want me to uh, play that witch magic. sound effect again, don't you? <laughs> No, because I don't feel like that witch sound effect is practical magic. I mean, I guess maybe Diane Weist kind of <laughs> could do that witch laugh. Anyway, what are we talking about? We are talking about Mama Cass. Or Cass but, Elliot. Yes, Cass Elliot. Probably prefer to yeah. be called. For those of you not familiar with Mama Cass, she was one of the singers in the Mamas and the Papas in the 1960s. And she's probably one of the mothers of like the... Uh, just the that she whole culture defined that, yeah. folk music she yeah. defined folk music and she and the mamas and the papas as a yeah. group collectively yeah. and then herself independently all of that music we associate with yeah. sort of the the folk rock she's of the 60s. probably one of the most iconic figures yeah. of that genre but she was and she was fat and she was yeah. fat and therefore and a woman and so she yeah. was very much disparaged and marginalized mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. even down to her death she yes. died of a heart attack at like 30 32 32 mm-hmm. Uh, but the, even though she died of a heart attack, common knowledge says that she died of choking to death on a ham sandwich. I love the shortcutting here. Like, it's not even, well, of course she was fat and died of mm-hmm. a heart attack because they all die of heart attacks. No. She was she, eating. She had, yeah. eating dis- she, had it, he, she had eating disorders and uh, drug use, but we don't talk about that. It's because she was fat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we, that's not good enough. That's not good enough. The urban legend is she died of eating a ham sandwich and yeah. choking on it. Which is just but not no. true. This article is covering the fact that she is just now, thanks to the efforts of her daughter, mm-hmm. getting her star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Yay! Which, like, I I was kind of shocked to find out that she didn't that have she one didn't. already. Yeah. Well, as I said, being fat and female, marginalized. Yeah, it's. Um, but the article that we're talking about in Variety, like, it, it's the, the the sort of like the fun like wrap up to the article is like mm-hmm. she gets the star ultimately. Like, yeah. like the daughter gets her the star. But I mean, they they do this sort of. It's not even like a biographical look at her life. It's a look at her impact on the on musical culture. Yeah, yeah. which is um, so important. And also it's a good her, her relationship. Yeah. Like one of the things they talk about towards the end is how she never really had a steady boyfriend. Like mm-hmm. she never really, as her daughter puts it, she never really got to experience like loving someone and dating them and having a partner, um, which is really really sad and. It was an odd thing because in talking about, you know, her dating life and maybe the lack thereof, um, her friend or good friend, uh, John Sebastian, sort of had this to say. He says, uh, the thing is, she had so many boy friends, boy friends, uh, though they were not necessarily sleeping with her. Uh, we all adored her and would have taken a shot if we'd had the chance. There were times when I'd say, Cass, what are you doing tonight? And she'd answer, John, I'd put you in the hospital. Like that was her, that was how she got around folks with whom she wanted to maintain a friendship. Her weight wasn't an issue with me. I'm Italian. Every beautiful thing that ever happened to me as a kid happened as a result of a very large woman. <laughs> so <laughs> like they chose, to, a great include, quote. Like, they chose to include this in variety. Like they didn't have to do that. And I, I kind of love that. Like that, that's, he doesn't come out and say he's a chaser, but that's certainly the, the words that a chaser would say. Mm-hmm. And that feels, mm-hmm. that feels really good to me. Um, and it's a shame that she wasn't able to experience that in her life. 
So a star, a star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame is like a, a small token of of appreciation. Way, way later. Yeah, listen to some Cass Elliot. Mm-hmm. It's a. I was actually listening to a lot of uh, Cass Elliot, Mama and the pa- Mamas and the Papas, like early pandemic. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Is this kind of like a, I don't know? There's something mournful it's about so- a lot of their so- songs. Yeah. It's very like. And you know, if, if you're not really into that kind of music, it's okay. There's a Scooby-Doo episode <laughs> where Cass Elliot helps the team solve the mystery. And I, I can recommend that. Is that I did she not has know a, that. that you really she has like it? a candy factory or something. Oh, little, that's awesome. It's, <laughs> and I, it's, it's fun, but it's also like, uh, this is like, this is problematic, but I'm just going to... Gonna, gonna because of course she has a candy factory. Blossom. I feel like if you get to be an animated uh, guest star on Scooby Doo, here's your you've, star on the walk. You've of made it. That's that, mm-hmm. right. Shouldn't that be the the entrance exam? Yeah. It's like, have you been in the Scooby Doo celebrity episode? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Damn it, I haven't. Have you been on a Scooby Doo episode, or have you talked with a Muppet? <laughs> like, yeah. I, yeah, I would say talking mm-hmm. like yeah. being on Sesame Street. That yeah. that yeah. should do it too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Speaking of Sesame Street, no. <laughs> so, very much the opposite of that. Then thunderclap, Michael. Oh, uh. Yes, we're back in, back in spooky mode. Spooky vibes, scary vibes, squirmy vibes. Squirmy vibes. We are talking about the feature film, horror mm-hmm. feature film Piggy. Yes. Uh, which we've this been hyping up. Becoming by, uh, a yearly tradition for us. Like, if you haven't heard our earlier thinner episode. Uh, from last we, year. Uh, mm-hmm. Very worth going back where, where we to, for clarity where we discussed the movie thinner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's not a thinner clearer on that, I suppose. Yeah, capital T thinner. <laughs> but anyway, we are going to spoil the shit out of this movie, so go see it and then come back. Well, yeah. I'm so I okay. So as a preface, because some I I was tweeting about because I watched it last night and I was tweeting that I was all energized, mm-hmm. and someone's like, I feel like from the description it could be very triggering. It will definitely be yeah. triggering. And this is not a, this um, movie does not shy away from anything. Yeah. And I feel like the, the description, I feel like gives you sufficient content warnings. And also it's a horror movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, the image gives you sufficient yeah. content. There's, warning. Uh, <laughs> so let's, before we, we, I don't think we did a very good job of this last year. And so I want to do a better job this year. Let's just give a quick plot summary. Yes. So yes. that when we talk about it, like we can actually talk about things that people will remember. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, the movie focuses uh, very much from the point of view of Sarah, who is a fat teenager in Spain in a mm-hmm. small, small town in Spain. And she uh, and her family own and work at a butcher shop. And the kids in the town, and particularly one of her ex friends who now hangs out with the popular kids, mm-hmm. all make fun of her and her family for being fat. They call them picky. There's social media bullying, there's mm-hmm. also in person bullying. And it's really traumatizing. They do not shy away from the intensity of it. Mm -hmm. Um, She goes to swim by herself because she doesn't want to be seen around anybody. Um, She wants to be able to swim peaceably. And the bullies find her. They try and drown her with like a pool strainer. Um, And it's really, really brutal. Like it is is horrifying in its own way. Um, And then a... We don't know if he's a serial killer, but a killer. He's definitely a serial he's killer. A serial, he's definitely yeah, a serial probably killer. a serial killer. Uh, sees this happening, seems to have some kind of sympathy for Sarah. Mm-hmm. And in I think in direct reaction to seeing this bullying, kidnaps the three girls. Goes after her bullies. bullies. Yeah. Goes after her bullies. And Sarah sees it happen as she's being yep. chased from the pool back to her home, mm-hmm. literally being chased by the 
by boys, by being mm-hmm. driven off the road, like crying well, and the time. I should be said, she's doing this almost naked because they have stolen they have her clothes. Stolen, yeah. clothes. stolen her clothes stolen and her, her phone. towel and her phone. And yep. so she sees him like hauling one of the girls into his van, mm-hmm. bleeding. Yeah. It sees him. He sees her and she freezes and he drops a towel for her before driving away and leaving yep. her alone. And she now has the choice. Do I say something to the police that, that these girls are missing and I know they're being hurt and they're in mm-hmm. trouble and I know where this happened and I know why and I know who he is. She's seen his face. Mm-hmm. Or do I agree with him that they need to be punished and hope that I can just sort of deal with that? And the stakes keep rising because then she finds out, oh, it's not just her friends. There was a waitress kidnapped mm-hmm. and, and is and missing. the lifeguard. And, and the, the lifeguard, lifeguard that, whom she actually swims past at the bottom of a pool. Yeah. Without <laughs> realizing. Without realizing. Yeah. It. Uh, and, then Great it's like, shot. and then, you know, the parents of the kids are like coming to her like, you know something. I know you know something. Yeah. So it, the stakes keep rising for her. And it, um, I... I like this movie. Trevor loved yes. this movie. I love this movie. <laughs> I uh, did so too. I, w- I would feel like maybe, um, I almost feel like someone could listen to this, ep- like if they're on the fence about watching it, listen to the episode and still watch it just because there is such a intensity to the movie. I feel like talking about it does not really capture the experience of yeah. watching it. Yeah. The movie is masterfully using tone mm-hmm. and, and, Oh, the, the oppressiveness of the world. You have to see it to understand it. Yeah. Yeah. There, there were so many moments. Like I know, Michael, one of your pet peeves about a film is when you feel manipulated by the filmmaker. Cheaply. Yeah. yeah. I didn't feel manipulated, but I was taken to places, emotional places that I was so surprised I could be taken. Yes. Mm-hmm. And feeling sympathy. Feeling, you know, like, oh, but he's a good serial killer. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, I was oh all god. about him. I was so, I was I was on board for serial killer boy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There there is this kind of internet subculture phenomenon of Colin Biners, which is like it was a Tumblr thing and it was teenage girls, like modern, like more like modern teenage girls, think like, I don't know, early mid, early 2010s, obsessed with the Colin Bine killers. Oh yeah, and kind of being like huh. fangirls for them, or like serial killers. The the Boston uh, Marathon bomber had the same thing. He yeah. was the and hot even guy. and like um, yeah. I mean, Ted Bundy, Dahmer, Dahmer, Dahmer yeah. Um, and this movie kind of it kind of gave me some insight into that like mindset and just the. I, oh, can I just put a pin in what you just said? It's not that it's in that it's in keeping with those. It gives you insight into how that's possible. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it the feel like you talking about the feelings you're able to feel this movie. So captures the like intensity and violent shifts of like when you are a teenager, every feeling you feel is so intense on 11. Yeah. And it, this just captures that. And like the, the intensity, there's a moment when, you know, so the, the girls um, who were taken had her phone. So she goes to get her phone. Mm-hmm. And I love that this, this movie feels like timeless, but also modern. Cause like cell phones are a thing, but it almost just feels like an I was having a hard time placing where in time it happened. You're right. It's sort of an amorphous because there's this whole thing yeah. of like sh- explaining, find your phone. And so she's trying, you know, she's trying to find, well, her to phone. be fair, it's explaining, find your phone to, for the audience, to the adults. Yeah. Well, then yeah. mostly yeah. to the adults and by extension to the audience. Yeah. Yeah. But so she's trying to find her phone 
And when she's looking for her phone, she runs into the parents of the missing girls, like looking separately. And so she's trying to hide from them. She uh, also sees the killer and runs into him and they have this moment where it's the killer and her hiding. And there's also like this festival happening in town. So there's fireworks and he's kind of like holding her face, telling her to be quiet. And it's this weird thing of like, Oh, are they going to kiss? It's like, I don't want them to kiss, but like, I kind of want them. to (laughs) And it's just just like such an intense moment. And it's Mm -hmm. just so palpable of this, like the fear and the excitement and the rage and the pain and the anguish and like just, so many things happening all at once. I think what is so um, alarming and beautiful about the film and that relationship, right? The, the bullied Sarah and the serial killer. There's been a lot made of like, oh, you see, if you bully a kid, they turn into serial killers. And then a lot of people in the fat community says, hell, if, if all it took were bullying to be a serial killer, then every fat person mm-hmm. would be a serial yeah. killer. So there's this thing about responsibility and what do you do? And I really thought this was a beautiful <laughs> coming together of the fat bullied girl and the guy who turned into a serial killer. And they have an unconscious and visceral understanding of each other. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it is the, and that is the, it's not even a sexual attraction. It is a, oh my God, you get me. Mm-hmm. And she even says to her mother, she's screaming at her mother, you don't understand me. You don't understand mm-hmm. me. And nobody understands her. And he understands her. Mm-hmm. And I love also that there is almost, he has almost no lines. I think he says Sarah a couple of times. Yeah. And he says, mm-hmm. come back a couple of times. And it is, and he's also very much outside the world. Like he doesn't mm-hmm. look like he comes from this village. And it's really beautiful how there is this intimacy that is not sexual between them, mm-hmm. but of a meeting so of So deeply intense. Though. So intense and so intimate. Yeah. Like I said, from a psychological point of view. I'm curious to what Michael has to say about this because I feel like I had a very different experience of this movie. (laughs) I'll I'll just, I've been sort of waiting to, I think it is a very polarizing movie. I think people will have very different reactions to it. So I don't disagree with most of what you guys are talking about. Like I think it, it really handles so much, so many of these issues really head on. Like it doesn't shy away. And it, it helped me, I will say because of how the movie is shot uh, particularly around like showing Sarah her body in all of the different ways, intimate moments. She's masturbating in one scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, it helped me to know that this movie was written and directed by a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and a woman, I think with personal experience of being bullied as a fat girl, if I'm, I, cause I, I had to read an interview with her after I watched this to kind of contextualize what I had just seen. Yeah. I, I, th- that seemed to be important to you. Yeah. Yeah. Cause my, I was totally bought in until you know they she's she's witnessed the kidnapping she knows things are going horribly wrong she runs upstairs to eat the like pastry treat that she sort of hides mm-hmm. in her room uh but she's out and you, you mean she's escaped she, the killer no what do you mean she's out she she's finishes. out of them the, yeah. she has no more oh, oh she's run out of food. oh she's out running. she's run yeah. out of the camp of the, right the, she doesn't have any more and then mm-hmm. he throws one through her window like yes. he, he throws one through her window. She runs over to the window, grabs it, looks out briefly, and then immediately starts eating it. And that was a really tough moment for me. Not like talking the, the, the issues of like why she's eating and how they use it in the movie aside. Yeah. It's purely the logic of that moment. Like she didn't bother to like 
hey, who did this? Is this poisoned? Is this tampered with? Is it like all of the things that would have gone through my mind in that moment of like, what the fuck is this doing here? How did some, why is something like, I, I, it just, I, I'll tell I think I, I have an answer for that, but I, the movie doesn't care about that. Well, That's it, the it doesn't, it doesn't because it is very clearly depicted mm-hmm. for better or for worse. I think for worse that she runs to sugar to pacify herself psychologically. Mm-hmm. And so when he throws the sugary treat through the window, of course she leaps upon it like a, a tiger that hasn't been fed in a month. Yeah, like a little piggy. Like a little piggy. And I, it's one of those things where like, yes, there are people who do that. And no, we mm-hmm. don't want to represent fat people that way. Mm-hmm. Right. I, on that note, I, I took I interpreted it differently actually mm. than both of you in that. Uh, so at that point, I was really kind of interested in the bond between the two of them. Yeah. There was clearly mm-hmm. some sort of understanding going yeah, on. Yeah. And even from a distance. That yeah. action to me, it became less about feeding the fat person as so much like, it, to me, it was a sign of understanding. Like mm-hmm. he yeah. knew her, he saw her mm-hmm. trying to buy this thing yes. and having to put it back. And, and that's how I took yes. it. Too. So he bought it for her. Yeah. There's a scene Followed where she, her home. Yeah. yeah there's returns a, it. And so when she eats it, right. She, I don't, I think she knew who put it there. I think she knew where that came from. And, mm-hmm. and she knew that he and, wouldn't harm her because yes, he didn't. Yes. And the conscious choice of eating it was not just a sign of trust on her part, but a visual trust. Yeah, yes. It, it should you be know? said, it should be said that they actually set this up rather yeah. carefully. Yeah. So there's a scene, the scene that sets this up is mm-hmm. she's going to the store to get um, a light bulb for her dad. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Oh, get something for yourself. And she's buying these pies and these the, can, the, the candy. They yeah, they're, like, they're, little, they're like little fruit pies almost. Yeah. And the clerk at the store is like, Oh, you know, be it on your head. If you a, buy I'll these. sell it to you, but it'll be on your head yeah. if you do. And she puts them away. And the guy, the, the killer is at the store kind of watching her yeah. and he's buying something else. And he, the, uh, the clerk is putting them yeah. away and he slides them over. And anyone, by the way, who thinks that is untrue or just a weird setup that has happened to me mm-hmm. in the past. So that a clerk yeah. has said something about food yeah, or like when I've chosen not to buy something, it's been good for you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, why are you? you know, so I understood yeah. exactly where she was. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. When I yeah. saw that, when I, when they set that up, that he, like, oh, he's going to give her the prize. I was like, oh God, like we're doing this. This is going to be the thing. But then she, when it's thrown through her window, she, her mother has just put her on a diet mm-hmm. and, you know, gave her a salad for dinner and is kind of scolding her. So she has left that moment of the, like a very familiar to fat people, like you have to be on a diet, you know, blah, blah, blah. And Even though set, everybody like, in the family is fat, she has to be on the diet yes. yeah. because she's the one getting bullied and that's the solution to bullying. Yes. And there's, there was, there's just like, I mean, other than the, you know, bullying and the serial killer stuff going on, there's also just like a lot of intense stuff with her mom and the, the mom not intervening in bullying about her weight and the mom kind of putting her on a diet as like, this is how I'm going to help you. This is how like, yep, this is going to stop it. And so the, the moment where the pie goes through the window and it is just this like release. It is just a glimmer of like, I can get this mm-hmm. brief, yeah. you know, and, and I like that. Um, there's another moment later on where he gives, like he gives her a pie. And I like that. It is like, don't you listen to what other yeah. people say? It is kind of the, like you indulge those feelings you have that people are telling you are wrong, which he understands so very well. So I took it as like an extension of, cause I was really looking for the like, Oh, are we going to do the whole, like that person is uncontrollable with eating. 
but I took it as a metaphor for that, like you understanding, understanding and just like you express that. Cause I was, I was very, I was very on the fence about the pie thing. I was for the reason that you you were Michael. One of the other things that stuck in my mind about that was that her moments of eating, eating in her bedroom, her Mm -hmm. secret eating is literally the only thing she has control of in this entire movie. Yeah. Right. That's the only thing that she takes action for and can have on her own. And yeah, she is, she doesn't even have her own computer. They share a computer. Mm -hmm. family. And his, um, giving that to her is not only an act of, you know, I understand what your comfort is and here is comfort, but it's also an act of, um, it's the only act of kindness Mm. showed to her. Yes. Yes. The entire movie, the only person who shows any kindness is him is the serial killer. And that is the second act of kindness. He shows her in that piece. When I think it's, it's so like I, I ended up being fine with the pie Mm -hmm. thing, but I was very apprehensive about it because it is such a, like fat people aren't allowed to enjoy food. I think especially in, you know, a movie and it was, I think Mm -hmm. I, I kind of like that. I had this push and pull reaction to it. And it's like, Cause yeah. that was so much of everything in the movie and these intense feelings, which I feel like kind of goes back to those. Like this is such a good teen horror movie because mm-hmm. there's so much other than the killing that is just like, it is the, in, everything is about intensity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I'm curious. So Michael, I know that like the pie thing was hard for you and kind of took you to a place. I want to know more about like, was, was that the big thing? What were other things? No, no. <laughs> I, There's so many other things. No, that was just the start. Um, so I have two ways I can go. I, I don't disagree with anything you're saying about the way the characters are handled, the way that it's represented, like the way that they present her, the characters, the relationships, all that stuff. Like that's, I, I don't disagree with any of that. I had a lot of problems with how it was shot. And I had a lot of problems with how, it's the same thing I ran into with the Ritz. Like there's no other person in this movie who is sympathetic to her or appreciates what she looks like, which makes a powerful statement, right? Mm -hmm. Because the one guy who is, it creates a bond with them. But the one guy who is, is a like psychotic killer who feeds her. And my frustration is that, you know, much like the whale, Mm -hmm. somebody's going to watch and say, Oh, I get your experience. Like, Oh. I get what you like. It it, it just I, I, like I, like if my mom watches that movie, she's going to put me in his shoes. Oh, oh. okay. It's, it's and that funny. that feels How very interesting, crappy to me. Yeah, of course it. Would. I, of course it would. I can see that, but I was because I was very like once uh, even before we started watching it. I, I'd seen the short, which is basically like kind of the fifteen minute pool segment of this movie. There was. A piggy was initially a short that I, I feel like was probably shot as proof of concept, but I was like, are, is it going to be the whole like evil chubby chaser slash feeder slash just like, you know, deviant. And I feel that, but I also feel like it was not explicitly sexual. I feel like it was one of those things where it was just it rode that line and it's because we're, it's from like the perspective of Sarah. So everything is so intense. And just because, you know, we go to that place when it is like, it is an, you know, older dangerous man and a young girl that like, I mean, it is nefarious. Cause it's like, you know, there is 
he's a serial killer. So like that is nefarious, but I almost feel like it is this representation of darkness and wanting to like the pull of the darkness. I like, I, I agree that like, if your mom watched that, she'd be like, Oh my God, Michael. <laughs> You know, it's, but I or, think or it's, even if she didn't put me in those shoes, she would want me to explain how I was different from that. And like, I don't want to, I, I don't want to be compared to that. I, I, I feel like I want to respond to this as the other yeah. chaser in the room. Sure. I would, and, other so everything you're saying, Michael, I'm sort of gobsmacked because what you're saying is like, oh my God, totally. And as a very, very out chubby chaser for many, many years, I am no stranger to that sort of treatment as mm. being, as just being, even if you just say chubby chase, you're like, oh, well, so are you a predator? Or are you just fucked up? Mm-hmm. And like, there's that just tacit assumption or the assumption that a lot of straight uh, chubby chasers face of like, well, a real man would go after a real woman, not a fat woman. Mm-hmm. And there's this awful, awful prejudice. And I never once felt that, never even thought that until you just said it. And I'm thinking to myself, gosh, why did I never think that? If anything, because I was uh, because I was a fat kid, I totally got that mm-hmm. relationship because I much more identified with her than I did with him. I think that's exactly it. And but because yeah, yeah, but but what I was going to say is I think the other reason that I didn't see it because I'm very much on the lookout for Howard Chubby Chase is being you know report being being seen because you know hello that's that's me and mine, and I think the difference was part of what Trevor says it was never. Our, our our exposure to the relationship is as kindness, not as sexual, not as attraction. It is mm-hmm. from the very first moment when he I knows. I disagree with that. Well, no, because the first thing, the first interaction they have is he leaves a towel for her. It's both. That's the second interaction. Well, no, I mean, it, it's, I, I don't know. I think it can just be intimacy. I think you can have all those scenes. She makes it sexual. Well, yeah, but I, yeah, she, yes. Like, and I, that was, that maybe, was say is, maybe so, but when my no, point explicitly is, so. sure, she sh- masturbates to the memory of him almost kissing her. Yes. Yeah. Well, but I think but it's that like, doesn't make him the predator. Well, I'm and, not saying it does. Yeah. I'm saying they don't, mind. they're not, they're not doing this like innocent thing of like, oh, he's just being kind to her. And she just, oh, no, 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 you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. But, yeah. But I'm saying in his motivations, I see him buying, I see her buying the candy that she was denying herself. I so see what do you think? What was his end goal of taking her? I what will was, say like, that I, I won't say this because so the moment where, you know, she makes it sexual, but I think it's, I, what I see the relationship between them as is, is he, he says, I think it is, he sees the same darkness yes. in her that he sees in himself. He and assaults her family and kidnaps her. Like mm-hmm. what part of that? Like explain that to me. Rescue. Explain that to me how this rescue and what's his end goal. I think he wants a partner in crime. I was rooting for them to be a couple. I, I don't know. That's how far gone I was. I don't know <laughs> if I ever saw him wanting a partner in crime. What I yeah. saw was he saw her in a moment of loneliness, mm-hmm. right? Where she's being assaulted at the pool, right? And then reacts with a, with a kindness by, mm-hmm. by, in his mind, yeah. by killing, by doing terrible things yeah. to people who did that. And then when she sees him, he he's, her reaction is not horror at the thing that he's doing. Mm-hmm. He, you know, yeah. they are, they're, they are both There's joined by their loneliness mm-hmm. is yes. the way I see it. And the desire to overcome loneliness, sexual or not, is so powerful what? that I, I felt that from the two of them. And her family, she lived with a family that left her alone 
Like in a, to his mind, I could see that being an absolute crime. And to, you know? I know Michael to answer your question. Cause like to, it is, he is doing that to give her the push because he is, I mean, it is the same thing where um, kind of the end yeah. sequence where he gives her the knife because it is, it is yeah. and guiding her into, and, it is like, yeah, he the, says we'll do this together. because yeah. she is not making any choices. Yeah. Cause he uh, is up she, until that. She, she chooses nothing up until then. Except to conceal him. And that's where I got the partners in crime because he takes the knife, puts it in her hand. He says, we'll do this together. Mm-hmm. And she takes the knife. And oh, th- that's valid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she thinks, she, thought of that. And, and she's, and she's got the knife and she's going and she's going and she's going towards the, the girls. And like, I got to say, I'm rooting for them. I mean, I'm rooting for, I'm rooting for the serial killer. And, and that, and that was a point. That was one of the points I wanted to talk about with the movie is like, for me, the movie is not a horror movie. The movie was a thriller to me. Mm-hmm. Right. I was never afraid it's gory but that's as far as it goes yeah yeah um but the horrible element of that movie to me was the way it made me react to the people in her world yes she makes the the good choice Mm -hmm. right pretty much every pretty much through most of it right Mm -hmm. there's a pretty key moment where she doesn't but through Mm -hmm. the most of it she is she makes the effort to rescue these girls you know she makes the effort uh to but I didn't want her to make those choices. I am yeah. so there with I you, I was Don. kind mm-hmm. of angry at her, mm-hmm. you know, for all these things. I am right there with you. Yeah. And I hate that reaction mm-hmm. to myself. I wish mm-hmm. I was able to react the way she did. But no, my instant reaction is like, oh, you dummy. Like, why would you? Yeah. No, no. They especially, especially, especially you know? when, you know, one of her bullies is strung up. One of her bullies is, and that bully is pleading for rescue. And even the pleading for rescue, she insults her. She insults yeah. the fat girl. Yeah. After, after she has rescued both of them, they are no longer in immediate threat of death. She says, why aren't you untying me, Piggy? At which mm-hmm. point I'm like, and then she, you hear the gun go off. And I just assumed she'd shot her. Yeah. Well, and, we, and you were hoping, right? I was hoping. I was, hoping. To, I I was, was like, to, yeah. to be clear, that's not what happened. No. She, the, the Sarah kills the killer. Mm-hmm. And the girl hanging up there says, what did you do, Piggy? That's what she says. I thought that was the girl on the floor. That was so impossible for me to believe. That was like, uh, I've been through how, it. how, <laughs> how like a, a character whose only hope of rescue is standing right in front of her and to insult. Like, that's just, I'm sorry. I, that, I, I, that, I, that, that was, was so idiotic. For me, for me, Michael, that was simply called junior high school. That was so intensely idiotic. It was like, I, okay, I'm out. To me, it was I, the culmination of the privilege and the absolutely. contempt that you'd seen through the entire movie. I mean, sure. Like, you yes, know? on paper, that is what that yeah. is. I just didn't buy it. Um, okay. Yeah, like I said, I having lived through a lot of those things where and like, do you other, not get what I'm here to do for you? And you're still going to insult me. This was the other interesting <laughs> thing to me was that, you know, again, and like, I don't like these reactions in myself, right? When he had chopped up sort of the obvious bad girl, the one, mm-hmm. the obvious mean one, I think that was supposed to be sort of like the, you know, the comeuppance for the really bad one. But for me, she wasn't the worst. Mm-mm. The worst one was the friend. friend. Yeah. The friend who betrayed that friendship, who knew what that person was and turned her back on her. Right. Yeah. Again, I had get a better life. I, I love and was aware of what she was doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's you know, what happened to me between fifth grade and sixth grade. Yep. And I, <laughs> I wanted her. Mm-hmm. I like when she, when her hand got blown off yeah. and she's hanging the well, one hand, I'm like, that's not enough. And <laughs> she needs more. So you when know? her hand, her hand gets blown off when uh, Sarah is um, kind of grappling with the killer before she kills him. And it also blows off the friendship. Bracelet. Yes. Yes. 
which I just thought was a neat. I'm like, huh. I thought that was great. Um, yeah. No, I loved the. So when Sarah kills the the serial killer, mm-hmm. her ripping out his throat just yeah yeah, like biting his throat and just ripping out flesh was extremely uh i don't know satisfying (laughs) and just i love just the visceralness why because it was because i at that point i felt like i felt like i was full of all of the emotions that sarah had at that point and everything like i said all of these emotions were so intense and it was just such a in rejecting that darkness she was kind of releasing it and into him into him but also just like this it was just releasing all of this rage from everyone and at him that rage like rage at her family rage at him rage at herself for rejecting this because mm-hmm. it is the right thing to do yeah and that she is going to free her friends and she's going to go and give up this path that she could have gone down yeah this movie also did one thing it it helped me understand one thing that i i think i've missed in the past which was sort of the fundamental difference between a fat uh boyhood and a fat girlhood Mm -hmm. right where that you know i felt like i was always condemned for my body but i never felt like anyone else felt like they owned my body Mm -hmm. and in this movie everyone around her feels an ownership of her body when she gets bullied by the girls, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. they feel like they can kill her. When she gets bullied by boys after that event, mm-hmm. they feel like they're perfectly entitled to put their hands all over her body and jiggle her and take her mm. top off. Well, that's just, stuff. I think that's, that's again, how women are treated. In yeah. In particular. Right. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. But I'm saying yeah. that that was, that's a that's critical a difference, difference I agree for me. With you. I agree with you. To understand, like, because I've, I've always sort of felt like the fat female experience and the fat male experience is closer than, than it's farther apart. But that's a pretty fundamental difference yeah. that yeah. I don't think I've ever experienced. You know? Yeah. And again, I love that the movie showed you that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's pretty great. In an awful way. Like, yeah. I, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> I And I, one of the things that I thought was so interesting about the movie is that so many of the people that I really wanted to see punished didn't really get punished. You know? The, I was glad that the guys came back and kind of got punished. They got scattered a little bit, but I wanted one of them to get crushed. One of them broke his arm. Well, they, yeah, they hurt, jumped off a ledge. Hurt his arm, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, did he? Oh. I mean, two of them jumped off the yeah. ledge at the end of the driveway, and yeah. one of them, I'm assuming, broke his arm. Well, all we know is hurt his arm. He says, "My arm." My, yeah. He said, "My my fucking arm." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I, most people that made fun of her got punished. Yeah, not enough. like her family got attacked. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe not, but like her yeah. her I mean, family got attacked. Her, I think her parents are dead. <laughs> yeah, like I her parents don't, are. We don't I have know. this conversation with someone mm-hmm. else, and I don't I really don't believe either of them died. The mom, to me, was clearly still alive. And the dad is saying something from upstairs, you know, so. Yeah. They're both bleeding on the ground and our mom closes her eyes and falls to the ground. I think you could make the argument either way. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think it's intentionally not answered. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know? Um. Well, we had a lot of feelings about Piggy. A lot of feels, a lot of thoughts. Did you have more you wanted to say? No, because I don't think it's interesting for us to, for me to go into like okay. technical quibbles. I think focusing on the topic of the mm-hmm. show is more important. But yeah, I mean, I would recommend it, but I like I walk into it with the mindset of a thriller for me because with the, it, the horror notes weren't being a, a, a gory thriller to be sure. A gory thriller. But yeah. like, is seven a horror movie or is seven a thriller? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. We got a, we got a tip. Just a, a spooky tip. Spooky tip. Um, so Chubster has a roundup of 
it's you know this is dropping before halloween if you need a last minute halloween costume chubster has some ideas they have some links to costumes places also amazon and then also like some diy ideas so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um need a last minute spooky costume chubster has you covered well, do we have a spooky bit? A spooky bit. We have a terrifying bit. I'm scared. Terrifying. Terrifying. Uh, sort of. Ah! If you're keeping kosher. Uh, so since we are doing a bit on Piggy this week, I thought we might go into some history of famous piggies. Uh, famous piggies. Okay. Famous piggies. <laughs> Miss Piggy. Arnold. Arnold. I mean, probably. <laughs> we got a few. All right. So. Starting off with the most famous pig of all pigs is Porky Pig, of course. He's been around with us hey since the 1930s. Hey, now. Trevor begs to differ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there so, we go. That's it. So Porky Pig has a history that starts back in like the 1930s. He's been around for a long time, and he's actually gone through several evolutions and changed his looks over the years. Hmm. Um, by the 1940s, Porky Pig had evolved into a leaner, sort of more streamlined character than his original version. When Bob Clampett started directing new Porky Pig shorts in the 1940s, though, he wanted to redesign the character back towards its fatter original design. But producer Leon Schlesinger wouldn't let him. Since he couldn't make Porky fat, he went ahead and made another Mary Melodies character fat instead. Oh, my. Okay. Which character found himself with a much expanded waistline in the 1940s instead of Porky Pig? And I'm not giving choices this time around. <gasps> okay. You all have to scan your is memory it, banks. Is it, some, is it a character that has remained fat since then? It is a famous character that you are very familiar with. Um, I think you could argue whether or not he's fat. Elmer Fudd. Elmer Fudd. We got a buzz I was going to say Elmer Fudd after so, buzzing. The one who buzzed gets it the point, Trevor. Oh. Elmer Fudd is correct. It's interesting. I looked at a sort of a timeline of both characters, and Porky Pig actually was a very different body shape when mm-hmm. he started. Oh, yeah. Very different. Quite he was porky. Yeah. <laughs> but during the 1940s, he was already sort of like the, the sort of pleasantly chubby pig we know now. But Elmer Fudd got a very different body type in the 1940s than what we know him as now. It's very interesting. Hmm. Babe. The talking pig that's the lead in the movie, Babe, is a combination of an animatronic double and how many real Yorkshire piglets? Oh, my. How many piglets did they have to use to film uh, Babe? Keeping in mind that filming can take 18 months or Mm. longer with some of these things. And piglets grow up really fast. 400. They're literally (laughs) bred to get big as fast as possible. Oh, my. Oh, my. Are we getting are we getting things? Or? Nope. All of these are open-ended um, questions. Take a guess. Uh, and this one is going to be price of right rules. Uh price of right. Buzz. Bidding. 17 and a half. Okay, we got it. We got <laughs> 17. Um because that way if somebody guesses 17. Wait, it's the if they guess 18, closest without screwed. going over. <laughs> closest right. without going over. Okay. Uh 119. 119. Oh 17, 119. 17 and a half. <laughs> I don't know if that half is getting you. <laughs> you can't do half a pig. Can't you? Gotta you got to do a whole hog. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go for um, 37. 
37. Well, the correct answer is 48. So Dan has scored his first point Yes, yes, I know my piglets. I thought this was interesting. A makeup artist had to add a toupee and eyelashes to each of the 48 pigs. Oh my God. (laughs) During filming. I'm imagining like a pig just screaming and thrashing (laughs) as someone is trying to put eyelashes on it. Because I mean, I would scream and pat. Wait, eyelashes or eyebrows? Eyelashes. Oh my God. Yes, yes. Yes. Actually, now I'm also picturing a pig with those like huge, like swoopy <laughs> eyelashes, like the ridiculous, like huge. Well, at ones. least they weren't trying to put lipstick on the, the Betty Boop eyelashes. Yes. Wow. <laughs> swat, swat. All right. Last but not least, Miss Piggy, <gasps> one of the most famous Muppets in the world, is no stranger to scandal. <laughs> From interspecies relationships and to in the 70s to domestic violence, she's seen her fair share of time in the spotlight for her choices. What scandal did she confess to in 1984 while appearing on the Merv Griffin show? <gasps> Buzz. Oh, Dan. I just, no, I, I don't know if this is true, but it would be good. Uh, eating bacon. Eating bacon. Okay. <laughs> we got one point for eating good. bacon. That would be good. Um, I'm going to say cosmetic surgery. Cosmetic surgery. Oh, that would have been the right time. Yeah. Um, she got, she admitted to, um, Having implants. Okay. Having implants. So we have uh, eating bacon, appearing in, uh, uh, having cosmetic surgery, and having a very specific type of cosmetic surgery. The correct answer, I'm actually giving the point to Dan. (gasps) It is appearing in bacon commercials. Oh. That's dark. (laughs) That's very dark. That's pretty. uh, Um, Yeah. uh, uh, Frank Oz actually came up with a very detailed history of. Uh, Miss Piggy's uh, early life story uh, being raised over a butcher shop oh, uh, wow. by her parents. Her father liked to uh, get around with the sows, so to speak, and her mom was sort of abusive. It's this like big Hollywood epic that mm. he made up. That's great. That's Boy. great. Wow. That's so that were you it. raised above a butcher shop, listener? <laughs> Trevor, if they were, what they could, where could they go to tell us about that experience? Well, we're on Instagram as we're on Instagram and Twitter as <laughs> at Big Fat Gay Pod. We're on Facebook as the Big Fat Gay Podcast. Leave us five stars. Five stars on Apple. Five stars everywhere. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash bigfatgaypod. See the articles we talked about at www.bigfatgaypod.com. Well, maybe you are you're in the middle seat on an airplane. You're listening to the podcast. <laughs> and then uh, you look to your left. And it's me. And you look to your right, and it's Don. And then your your trade table pops down, and it's Michael. <laughs> Watch out! <laughs> Happy Halloween! Happy Halloween, everybody! Don't get too scooby dooby doo.